From the Gettysburg and 91.1 WZBT Gettysburg, I'm Ben Ponce, and this is On Target. I'm Mary Fraser. Today, we'll wrap up the semester's news and look ahead to the upcoming year. Then I'll sit down with Professors Rudd Platt and Lisa Portman to discuss a proposal for the college's new data science minor. Stay with us. All right, let's get into the news. This has been a bit of a condensed, uh, a condensed week, given that Thanksgiving occurred in the middle of it. Mary, you informed me just before we started this that it's officially Christmas season, that you have shirts and earrings to count down the days between now and when we go home. I do, in fact, have that many Christmas shirts and that many Christmas earrings. Well, how was your Thanksgiving? My Thanksgiving was fabulous, Ben. Got to see friends and family, went to a football game. My team didn't win, but that's all right. Um, ah, the perils of high school football. Yeah. So what you well, going to do? you know, you go to a school where you're not accustomed to the football team winning either. So there's that. So, well, neither of them were my high school, actually. Oh. So my high school actually beat the team that I wanted to lose. But well, what you going to do? Well, I suppose go to a different college if you want to have a winning football team. Definitely. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, in any case, uh I figured we could de- recap, recapitulate uh, some of the some of the news of the semester, and and interestingly enough, there hasn't been a whole lot of event-based news. I suppose you could say the faculty did early in the semester uh, approve a business major. That was kind of a big deal. Um, the college is theoretically out there hitting the road fundraising for that. Uh, and, and no jobs, at least of when I, at least as of when I last looked, they have not posted either of the two new tenure track business professor positions that were uh, supposedly going to be required as part of this proposal. Um, so those that hiring is still to be done, although much faculty hiring is currently happening. Um, let's see what else happened. So the business major happened, of course. Later in this podcast, we'll chat with two faculty members proposing a new minor, the data science minor. Uh, Of course, this fall also, Bob was inaugurated. We had Bob Day. Any reflections on Bob Day or Bob's first semester as president, Mary? Um, I did not attend Bob Day. Um, so I don't have... Very unpatriotic of you. Well, I was supposed to be out of town that day. I didn't end up being out of town, but I was supposed to be out of town that day. So I had no intentions of going because of that. Um, but I, I don't know if I have any reflections. Um, I see the president around at a lot of events, which is nice because I feel like that was definitely... Um, something that we saw a lot with JMR, her walking around campus, um, kind of just like, you know, blending in with the crowd. Um, and I think he's really trying to also foster that, um, type of culture, um, which is nice. Um, and yeah, I don't really have any complaints. No complaints from a Gettysburg college student. Well, that's pretty novel. (laughs) Speaking of things that people complain about, and this one for good reason, uh, one little tidbit of news is that in the library right now, the Scholarly Communications Department has created a textbook swap board uh, that basically seeks to set up a a separate marketplace uh, where 
big companies don't get cuts off the top on either end of students buying and selling textbooks. Essentially, you can just walk in, uh, put on the board what book you have or are looking for and how much you're willing to sell it for or how much you'd be willing to pay for it. And, uh, you know, just a little bit of a, a low-key offline marketplace uh, for buying and selling textbooks. Isn't the bookstore upset about that? I don't know. I mean, the bookstore is now run by a large multinational corporation of Barnes & Noble. Uh, I mean, I think one thing that is the case is that the rate of textbooks being purchased at the bookstore is not all of them, to be sure. And I imagine that a good deal of what's going to transpire here is what, you know, what people bought from Amazon or from, you know those other various textbook vendors. Truth be told, I think I spent a grand total when you add it up and carry the one $4 on textbooks this semester. How? Well, I only had one class that, that had a textbook. Well, that would help. And uh, I bought it for $4. Now, this copy is falling apart. And, uh, you know, I, they, they, it was, I should have known what Amazon rated it as acceptable condition. But... Uh, you know, I taped the cover back on, and it's been a resilient textbook, that that casebook for constitutional police procedure. Oh, man. No, I had about 20 books that I needed for the semester, and going around to all of the various websites that sell and rent textbooks um, and using the bookstore if it was a new book, and that was the only place I could find it for a rental price, I probably spent about $150 on textbooks. Yeah, I know my first semester I had to spend close to $400 because I had a language packet that was like oh. 250 on its own. And I mean, I know that, you know, in some cases there's really no way around it, particularly when there are these online access codes and nonsense. Those are so expensive. It's really absurd. It's what you might call a scam, and it's a scam that our friends over in Scholarly Communications, who we've had on this podcast a few years ago, Chris Barnes, who um, has since... Uh, moved on from from Gettysburg to to FNM. Uh, we'll forgive him for that. He did move to Lancaster, which if you have to leave Gettysburg to go somewhere, Lancaster is an acceptable place. Mm-hmm. Um, Lancaster, to be clear, is the pronunciation there, Mary. Um, and uh, in any case, we had Chris Barnes and Janelle Wurzberger on um, discussing this issue. And then last year, I believe Sarah Apadu, who also is working on textbook affordability, came on. So it's been a I guess actually the first time they were talking about open access, but these are kind of parts of the same parts of the same uh, of the same issue. You know, it's one of those things that as more professors are aware of of what these textbooks are costing, it does seem anecdotally at least that I have spent less on textbooks in the last year or two than I did my first year or two. Um, I think I spent about around 150 every semester. That's usually where I land. Um, I think it's frustrating because some professors, many professors are very good about assigning books that um, they will use, but the ones who are like, oh, I changed the syllabus two days ago. You have three new books, and these two that you already rented or purchased are like obsolete now um, yeah, that's is happened. really annoying. Yeah, that happens to be sure. And, you know, candidly, I think that if professors spent a little bit more time working on their syllabus before 10 minutes before the course starts, a lot of that could be avoided. 
definitely. Um, um, and a lot of people are like, we'll just um, borrow it in the library if that's such a problem. But there's, you know, 15 of us in a class. And if we all decide to do that, 14 of us are going to be screwed. So, well, right. And not to mention that the library doesn't really, uh, it's not really, not really in the business of textbooks per se. I mean, some books that, you know, if, you, if you're just going to read a particular book in a class, certainly the library may have a copy or two of it particularly if it was written by the faculty member in question at, yeah. at Shirley Ann Warshaw, my, my, <laughs> dear, my dear advisor, uh, who has definitely assigned at least one book that she's written in her classes before. Uh, but in any case, so textbooks, there's your nugget of news for the day. There's a swap, swap board, I think is what they're calling it. It's right by the printers on the main floor of the library. So, uh, it's not like legally allowed. Yeah, I mean, they're not facilitate. All they're doing is facilitating private transactions. So it's like facilitating a yard sale? Yeah, I, I suppose okay. you could say it's a glorified yard sale. Okay. Um, you know, I I would say it's probably a, a, a pretty it's a pretty crafty thing, but I kind of like it. Uh, no, I really like it. That's nice. If you can't get open access yet to be a thing, then this is the next best thing, I guess. An intermediate step, to be sure. Uh, so other than that, what else has happened this semester? Uh, the Gettys Burgeon, of course, launched a new magazine. We did. I think we were really successful. Um, there's obviously some bumps and blips along the way, but I think it worked out really well. It's definitely more accessible than the newspaper, at least in my opinion. Yeah, the third edition of that magazine will be out this week. Exciting stuff. On Friday, an enclosed will be a postcard with a QR code link to a survey where you can tell us what you thought of the Gettysburgian's new magazine. Yeah, please fill it out. We want to know what is good and bad and how we can improve on it in the future. Indeed. Uh, and one suggestion for improvement that I'm sure no one would have, because it really wouldn't be one, uh, is that we'll be having a new director of photography because Mary will be abroad next semester. I will, in fact, be abroad next and semester. And where will you be going, Mary? I'm going... Abandoning the Gettysburgian, I, abandoning this podcast. I am not abandoning anyone. I am expanding my horizons. Ah, nonsense. <laughs> just because you're afraid to go abroad. Um, I'm going to Budapest, Hungary for the semester. I'm very excited. What will you be uh, studying or doing there? Um, so I will be taking my 101 Hungarian course so I can, you know, function. Um, I'm taking a political science course on the European Union. Um, I'm taking a history course on civil rights in America, oddly enough. Um, and I'm taking a watercolor course for my art requirement. How about them apples? I'm well, so excited. I expect the Gettysburg's office to be adorned with watercolor paintings. Oh, you bet you, Ben. Oh, everywhere. Of Ew. course, I won't be there to enjoy them, but... Uh, oh, don't remind me. But uh, speaking of, of people abroad, uh, Mary has, has graciously filled in on this podcast this fall. Gari will be back. Gari's coming home! Just in time for Mary to leave. I miss Gari. Uh, and Gari will be resuming, I assume. I'm sure that since she's been listening to this podcast the entire fall mm -hmm. and commenting every time I've made fun of her, which in fairness has been a non-zero amount of times, uh, she'll let me know if this is not the case, but I do believe she will be back in the saddle on On Target 
in the spring. Yeah, thanks for letting me fill in for Gari. This has been fun. I probably haven't been as good at it as Gari, but I'm here. I'm filling, filling the role, I guess. It's hard to be Gari. She is one of a kind. Well, that was quite a news segment we just did. I think that's going to conclude that. Uh, this, <laughs> this is the final episode of On Target for the semester. Uh, it'll be succeeded by what I can already say, because we've recorded it, uh, is an f- interesting interview worth, worth your time uh, with Rudd Platt and Lisa Portmas um, from the Departments of Environmental Studies and Philosophy, respectively about a proposal to add a minor in data science. We discussed that proposal last week, so if you didn't catch that, feel free to go to the Gettysburgians website and and take a listen to the November 20 podcast uh, where you can hear some background on the data science minor proposal. In the meantime, we'll be right back with the Bullet Report, followed by that interview with Rudd Platt and Lisa Portmas. Stay with us. There we go. And now it's time for the bullet report. We've moved on to winter sports season and the winter sports teams are doing significantly better than the fall sports teams as we begin this bullet report. On November the 23rd, the men's basketball team defeated Delaware Valley 86-77. The women's basketball team defeated Swarthmore 61-50 the same day. Then the women's basketball team defeated Franklin and Marshall 86-56 on the 26th. The men's team won 67-55 the same day. The men's basketball team defeated Juniata 73-54. The men's basketball team is now 6-0 on the season. The women are 5-1. The men's and women's swimming teams are 5-0 and 6-0 respectively. And the rest Wrestling team is four and three. Everybody has a winning record. Some of them are even undefeated. Thus ended the bullet report. We'll be right back with Rudd Platt and Lisa Portis. And we're pleased to be joined today by uh, two members of the data science committee that has been working uh, on, on drafting a proposal for a minor in data science, Professors uh, Lisa Portmas from the Department of Philosophy and Professor Rudd Platt from the Department of Environmental Studies. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you. So why don't we start with perhaps the most obvious question, what exactly is data science? I guess I'll I'll take that. (laughs) So data science is an interdisciplinary field that deals with data and that can mean um, acquiring data, processing it, uh, visualizing it to make it more understandable, uh, analyzing it, uh, presenting it, um, all aspects of, of taking data and solving problems with data. So it's interdisciplinary in the sense that um, it takes technical skills from, that relate to math and computer science and then um, usually pairs it with kind of a, a domain and in the case of a data science minor, that domain will be this, the student's major, where they, they understand a, a, a topical area and some of the important questions that can be answered with, with data. Um, and so our, our hope is that this will enable uh, students to answer questions that they wouldn't have been able to otherwise, um, to prepare for new emerging careers and to get involved in this exciting uh, interdisciplinary arena of data science. And would you say that what we're talking about here is a distinct 
kind of subfield of itself, or, or is it more of a method sort of approach? I mean, one thing that um, I forget who actually said it at the faculty meeting the other day um, was that an important part of this is framing the right questions. Yes, to, I, I was going to add that yeah. one of the reasons we think of it as so interdisciplinary, it has both technical features, of course, mm. in the learning of ways that one become expert in handling data, but it also has interpretive features that we associate with many different disciplines, whether in the humanities or elsewhere, where we're attempting with complex phenomena to discern patterns, to ask questions in the first place that clearly identify what kinds of data count as important evidence or important, important field of study. And that's, as our committee has talked about a great deal is a set of characteristics we hope to develop in data science minors, both this ability to ask appropriate questions and then in so doing to identify the kinds of patterns they find that have merit in addressing those questions and, and then to visualize them in ways other people can understand so the, mm -hmm. the insight gained can be communicated well. And are we talking just about quantitative data or, or, or is there is qualitative research a component of this as well? Oh, it would absolutely uh, include both uh, quantitative, well, and and qualitative also. So there might be ways of taking qualitative data <laughs> and then coding it in a way um, so that it can be used to solve problems. Mm -hmm. yeah. Talk a little bit, if you could, just kind of about the genesis of the proposal that came before the faculty, and then maybe just an overview of what that proposal yes. was. Yes, I can do that. The provost met first with three department chairs in relevant departments, like mathematics and computer science, and, and then issued a call for interest among the faculty to be part of a committee that would explore the possibility of a data science minor. Mm -hmm. And then at that moment, with those faculty identified and with invitations perhaps to others who might have been in divisions not represented yet by people who volunteered. Other faculty came forward and their representatives on that committee from all the divisions of the college, from the arts and the humanities and the social sciences and the natural sciences. And we've met now since last fall of 2018 mm -hmm. and just concluded our work with the completion of the proposal that came before the faculty. So we meet next week on Thursday for the vote on mm -hmm. the proposal. And at that point, if there's a successful vote and it's approved by the faculty, it will become a program, part of the, uh, it'll become a minor in the interdisciplinary studies department and administered by an advisory committee that will come into being based on the committee. Could you talk a little bit about how, as, as a philosopher in particular, you were mm -hmm. interested in getting involved with this? I have many reasons for interest, some personal as well as professional, but I teach a philosophy of technology class in the mm -hmm. department and teach it sometimes each year, but usually every other year. And so many topics that are central to data science are part of that class. We study issues of data. We study algorithmic bias, for example, in one of the books that we read. And we look at some of the challenges of, you might call it the human dimension of data interpretation and data collection that from the very start, data comes to us um, selected, handled, mm -hmm. eventually discerned, interpreted, and visualized. There's a, a kind of human process to mm -hmm. the making something of data that involves questions that involve the, the use of all technologies right. that 
are implicated in data collection. In many cases, if we're studying online data or we're looking at social media data, mm -hmm. trying to discern patterns of communication, it's coming out of technologies that themselves are giving rise to both the possibility of the data and the ways in which we can mm -hmm. sort, interpret, and eventually visualize and communicate data. Mm -hmm. So one is that I've just been involved in teaching in a course that's one of our electives for the data science minor and then in my own research in various ways have recently been doing object rec recognition and some of the questions that come out of digital images and interpretation of digital images and mm -hmm. the, the meaningful conclusions we attempt to draw. For example, if we're doing object recognition and drone surveillance, right. how we try to draw conclusions about um, terrorist activity so the drones can then move in to take action and right. so it's very fraught with huge significance in life and death decision making and and yet it's based on digital imaging processing which itself is threaded through with all of the kinds of uncertainties and deep questions both moral and epistemological about data right and how how, how was i mean environmental studies obviously there's a lot of you know, fairly connections that people would probably think of what more quickly when they think of data than necessarily <laughs> with philosophy. But yes, and and so I teach um, courses in geographic information systems and remote sensing. Mm -hmm. So my GIS classes are are focused on um, asking questions about the environment um, that relate to spatial data, so data that can be mapped and analyzed. Um, so I see that as kind of a subset of data science. Um, remote sensing is use of satellite imagery to study, in, in my case, to study environmental change. Um, so processing images to extract information, to learn about how the earth is changing. Again, I, that's, that, that is another subset of data science. Um, so I was naturally interested in data science to begin with. And I found that a number of our majors were entering careers that were uh, data science related. Um, they're doing this anyway. So, for example, we've had several people in the last few years who've gone into ecology and the particular programs that they've gone into have them use um, programming in either R or Python. They expect them to have um, uh, pretty highly refined uh, quantitative uh, skills and particular st statistics. So our, our students are sort of entering these jobs uh, and I felt that we could do set them up even better. Mm -hmm. So by having um, kind of an established program, um, giving them uh, a, a more comprehensive background in data science, I thought that they would uh, be really well served since they're entering these fields uh, anyway. Mm -hmm. um, talk a little bit, if you could, about some of the courses that are uh, involved because mm -hmm. I know there are three core courses, one in, I think, in data programming, and then another in kind of advanced <laughs> data, and then there's a statistics course, right. and, but then there's also a number of elective courses. Sure. So um, so a lot, many departments on campus offer statistics courses, mm -hmm. and they are, they're broadly similar. And so uh, anyone who does the data science minor will have to take one of those courses. It could be through their existing major mm -hmm. um, or not. Um, data science programming is um, that focuses on um, the programming language Python. And so uh, students will, um, it's interdisciplinary, so they'll be focusing on problem solving in a variety of topical domains and then writing scripts using the, the Python programming language, using visualizations, using Python. 
um, and just to get their feet wet in data science. So that's that's that I think is is really the the first time um, that students will will see the whole data science process. Mm -hmm. um, statistics is not required for that course. It can be taken in either order. Um, so that's data science uh, 256, data science programming. Um, and then data science 325, applied data science, uh, is our upper level course. So at, that, at this point, students have taken statistics. Um, they've taken data science programming, so they know the basics of Python. Um, and it's important to note that um, that these courses also integrate some of the themes that Lisa's uh, Professor Portmas has been talking mm -hmm. about, um, such as some of the ethical considerations mm -hmm. uh, related to data science. At any rate, they um, then they take this applied data science, and by that time, they've had these introductory courses and presumably uh, built up some topical knowledge through their primary major, um, and and that's that's at a much higher level. Uh, the electives are really diverse, and we're, we're quite proud of, of this elective list um, because it touches on so many um, wings of the college, so many aspects of data mm -hmm. science. So um, just to give you a sense, let me read a few titles. So in the arts department, we have Introduction to Digital Media. So that's a newly approved, approved course. Um, in Computer Science, we have Introduction to Artificial Intelligence. Um, in economics, we have uh, econometrics, which is um, economic statistics. Mm -hmm. um, I've already mentioned um, in environmental studies, we have remote sensing, which is use of satellite imagery. Um, we have a first-year seminar called uh, um, Math and Voting. Um, and then we have a variety of, of philosophy courses. So we have really a, a range of classes um, that touch on a, a variety of different topics. And so students have to take three electives, and at least one of those electives has to be outside of their major because we do want people um, to be reaching out to um, other departments, getting a broader perspective than they, than they might just get by taking courses through their, their major because certain majors have, have multiple um, courses that might count as a data science elective. And another thing that uh, came up at that first at the faculty meeting was that there are some new additional new courses potentially on the horizon pending, that have yes. not yet been. So approved. I mentioned at the faculty mm -hmm. meeting two by a new economics professor, uh, one called cultural analytics, mm -hmm. looking at some of the questions that widely attach to data and with ethical questions and questions of practice that apply to data, and a, a just data course which has a, a kind of double entendre, not just, just data looking at questions of justice that can result in, for example, distort, distortions in data that can result in housing decisions that are inequitable or unfair that right. we've come to see, and prejudices and forms of discrimination that data itself absorbs and becomes hard-baked into that into conclusions that we draw from that data if we're not careful. So there's just a huge amount of work that needs to be done in the, the managing of data collection so that it doesn't mm -hmm. hard-bake some of the worst sides of human perception and assumption and discriminatory stereotypes and so on. So those two new courses will handle those areas and as will we decided by virtue of committee discussion that we would like to see the ethical questions of data mainlined uh, through all the courses, not right. just segued to a single portion of one course at one level of the data science minor. 
Do you have any sense or goal as to maybe how many students might be interested in something like this? I, mean, I know that's hard mm -hmm. to predict, but... I think we think it will grow rapidly. It might mm -hmm. be a smaller segment in the first year or two, but students love minors, as we know. They sometimes love double minors. <laughs> they love double majors and double <laughs> minors. And, and no doubt there's a student who's had a triple minor, for all we know. Mm -hmm. But So I think it will grow. We always face what other schools we've heard of experienced, which is some of that growth will be in predictable fields where the major that students have chosen make it likely that they'll choose the data science minor. So we really hope to do something to counter that likelihood so that we have more of a spread mm -hmm. in students who come from many disciplines art, for mm -hmm. example, right. maybe interested in this new course in art might come into the program in the humanities as well. Mm -hmm. So the cultural analytics course will be taught by both the economics professor, but will be team, I mean, it will be taught in sequence by a professor in East Asian studies as well, who's interested in uh, texts mm -hmm. and data analytics. So that's our hope for the future, that it will grow, but not just grow in the most predictable fields. Mm -hmm. We have a, a new course, um, Data Science 150, Data Science and Society, mm -hmm. which is offered, will be offered every year at the 100 level. So we do expect uh, uh, that we will have a lot of students who coming from, you know, economics, computer science, maybe environmental studies and others. But if there are students in the arts and humanities um, who are interested, this is a, a great course for them to take. Um, there's no prerequisites. Um, I believe it satisfies the quantitative, inductive, de and deductive reasoning requirement, although mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm fairly sure that it, it does or will. And so there may be a variety of reasons mm -hmm. that a student might take that course and then use that as a, as a launching pad for, for the minor. So um, we think that that's not a required course, but it's a very important uh, part of, uh, of data science because it, it's the course that will... That we hope will um, uh, bring in a, a wide range of students into the minor. Well, so you mentioned, and that's kind of a nice segue, um, that that's a, a new course, and you also referred earlier to some of the new courses. Who, um, which faculty members do you anticipate teaching some of those upper-level core, or, you know, the uh, Data Science 325 and 256? And does that, there was the, if there was a concern, and I wouldn't necessarily even frame it that strongly, that was raised at the faculty meeting, it was that, you know, what we have here is an, a, another kind of interdisciplinary committee that puts more burden on Mm -hmm. faculty members without, you know, new course releases or whatever, and, and that, if anything, it could increase the number of, um, at, across the college, sections of, of courses being taught by adjunct faculty, since there's no new plan to hire faculty to teach in this program at this point. I'd say one thing, and, <laughs> and as a prefatory comment, having seen many programs, including Professor Blatt's program come into being from a single appointment of a single professor. So I've seen programs across campus since I've been at Gettysburg College for some time come into being where there's a perceived pressure in the beginning as enrollments grow. Our, our department, for example, once had three people, it now has six people. Mm -hmm. And these are what I consider good problems. The mm -hmm. problems of burden mean that we're introducing an area of study to which students come, interested in there's vitality and teachers want to teach in it. Right. Professors are interested in developing expertise, new courses. All of these I consider fantastic yeah. problems to have. And so the, the, the sorry part of it might be that someone feels the burden at any given moment or somebody just anticipates that burden. But I see that burden as part of what all new program development entails. It will entail 
new resources and new people who might donate such resources when they see we have a program like mm -hmm. this and they get excited about it. We presented, two of us presented Ben Kennedy in mathematics and I presented to the trustee committee of parents. And I was so interested to hear some of their comments. They were, they were just filled with a sense of what the program could be and all the connections to the larger world where mm -hmm. parents who were involved in these fields would offer internships to students who minored in, in data science. They were filled with its possibilities. And some parents said, my daughter's a humanities major, but I'd love her to take this. How will you try to recruit such students as my daughter? Mm -hmm. So rather than using the, bird, the burdened view, the view was look at these possibilities that might grow. And yes, eventually we might need to make new appointments or we might need to seek new donations from outside the college to support it. But these are what I see as understandable growth pains, mm -hmm. you might say, that, right. are, that are good, that are good not, not to be a reason only for backing up and away from a new program. Right. What do you think? <laughs> I, no, I, I, I agree. I'll also, um, without mentioning uh, specific faculty members, I'll just men mention the departments. So we next year we'll have uh, a course. There's a, a political science faculty member who will, who will teach uh, two computer science faculty members. And then in, at least in the first two years, we'll mm -hmm. have uh, an economics professor teaching a class uh, and then possibly a physics professor. Mm -hmm. So... Um, we, we definitely have a, a range of, of departments yeah. um, represented, mm -hmm. the, the faculty mm -hmm. contributing to um, uh, the data science yes. prefix courses. And of course, we're all assuming that we're right now, we're hoping that this, <laughs> that this will be approved. And as of the, the recording of this podcast... Mm -hmm. Uh, or Two broadcast. days before Thanksgiving, uh, <laughs> it has not yet been been approved by the faculty. So, um, but we're, we're we're hopeful that it will be. We also have an administration ready and anticipating and seeking advice and counsel from the finance committee of the mm -hmm. faculty, thinking about these very issues. So, resource issues are part of every consideration of new programs mm -hmm. from the start. We now have this as part of our procedure that we never wait till later to mm -hmm. until later to be confronted with resource problems. We try to anticipate them. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe as a as a final sort of question, the proposal as it was opened with kind of some vignettes of mm -hmm. of, of students who might yes. uh, how students might approach this minor, and I'm wondering if maybe you could maybe not if you'd like to kind of share what those were, or just to kind of in general talk about different types of students that might uh, participate in this program and and kind of maybe some broader aspirations for where it, it might head in the coming years, should it be approved? We won't say assuming it's approved. Should it be approved? So I could start with one and then you could follow up. We have four categories of many examples that we incorporated in our proposal. We, for the humanities or performing arts, we suggested that a data science minor might provide technical skills for critical text analysis, which is happening in many humanities disciplines, identifying thematic innovations, tracing networks of topical and linguistic influences through song lyrics or film scripts, testing hypotheses about differences by gender, or ethnicity, and usage, or developing recommender systems like Spotify to Discovery. Just discover. Would you like to talk about a category? Sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <clears throat> so, and the natural sciences, um, some of the examples we gave. Were, so, in, in, the, in the sciences, we've got massive amounts of, uh, of data uh, being generated by you know, telescopes and satellites and supercomputers and sensor networks. It's, it's more than, than, than we can reasonably handle. Uh, and so there, there's a lot of really um, great inquiry that, that kind of 
grabs this data, makes sense of it, processes it um, to answer some big questions. So um, I guess some of the examples we gave um, in biology and health sciences, the growing field of uh, bioinformatics requires deep knowledge of biological mechanisms, but also capabilities in big data processing and machine learning. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, the, really, the, the possibilities are endless. What, one of the ones I'm really interested in personally, um, as I mentioned before, um, I teach a class in geographic information systems. And so a big part of GIS is um, making effective maps. So being able to communicate something visually through a map um, is is a really uh, is something that's really important. So I, I'm actually very excited about this visualization aspect of data science. So taking something that is numerical or abstract, and and putting it in a form that's easy, that's, that's easier and and more and more compelling to mm -hmm. look at, and and that can be either for the analysts themselves. There's ways of visualizing data that are targeted. You create something so that you yourself can understand it better. Mm -hmm. um, or it can be outward facing. It can be a way of communicating or summarizing um, uh, data that's outward facing, um, like, like a map, um, for, so that other people can understand. Uh, and so um, I like this because it's not necessarily what people first think of when they think of data science. Mm -hmm. uh, and it can be ap applied to so many areas. Um, you know, beyond the usual suspects, mm -hmm. in, including um, the, the arts and humanities and social sciences and so on. And certainly there were a number of, I was just counting up the list, 17 faculty members that were involved in this from a variety of <laughs> yeah. areas. So certainly a broad, um, a broad proposal. So professors Rudd Platt and Lisa Portman, thanks so much for Thank joining us. Thank you so much for, for having us. us. That's on target for this week. We'd like to thank Lisa Portmas and Rudd Platt for being our featured guests today. We'd also like to thank the staff of the Gettysburgian and the executive board of WZBT for their ongoing support of this project. Be sure to subscribe to On Target on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. On Target is a joint production of the Gettysburgian and WZBT. Our theme music was composed by Diego Rocha, a 2019 graduate of the Sunderman Conservatory of Music. This was the last on target for this semester. We'll see you in the new year. Woo!